Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Cool. Well, we're looking at Psalm 29. Psalm 29 is the uh, psalm that uh, most commonly in early Christian liturgies um, is tied into uh, Pentecost, which is what today is. Today is Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar, which is a celebration of uh, the moment when the Holy Spirit fell uh, in Jerusalem and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and went out uh, into the streets proclaiming uh, the gospel. And of course, Pentecost also refers to a feast in the Jewish calendar uh, that celebrates the giving of the law. So we have this sort of dual connected uh, feast that we're sort of celebrating today. And Psalm 29, we're in a Psalm series, is looking at the meaning of that. And so we just want to connect and uh, and see what it has to say to us. Um, it speaks a lot about finding strength, and I think we're certainly in a time where we feel like uh, we need strength. Like of all weeks, like this week uh, seems like a crazy week. If you've been following the news or following stuff on social media, we've got riots uh, in the streets and stores and police stations being burned. We have uh, conflict or or drama at the very least escalating between the U.S. and China. Uh, we had last weekend the whole fiasco with so many people uh, in the parks, COVID, uh, those numbers. Uh, we've got, again, protests. We've got uh, COVID like going like crazy in Brazil. And of course, we have uh, the death of, uh, of Mr. George Floyd um, and all of the, the drama that surrounded that in the U.S. Tragic, tragic uh, killing of this this wonderful wonderful human being, and uh, and so much grief around all of that in in so many uh, quarters in the U.S. and in Canada, and really echoing around the world. Um, and so the world is in a, a crazy place. It seems chaotic. It seems wild. Like it seems out of control at this week of all weeks. It just seems insane. And at moments, I think we just get overwhelmed by that. We get uh, kind of like uh, George Floyd was like, I I don't know if I can breathe under the weight of this. Like, it just seems rough. It seems hard. And a moment like this, when the world is in chaos, um, it seems like enemies of God are just kind of running rampant. Like, like where is their order? Where is uh, God working in all the crazy stuff that's happening in governments around the world, in politics, in economics, uh, in the military, even even in science? Like, you look towards science and the medical community, and you can look on social media and you can find differing opinions claiming to be from the scientific community, completely on often like totally opposed to one another. So where do you find something that is actually going to make sense that can actually uh, lead you that is actually science that's scientific? Uh, where do you find all of that? In this moment, it just seems like uh, the fingers of the enemy are just kind of in every one of those quarters. And it seems like just chaos is just, just erupting around the world in, in so many crazy ways. So the question is, is where do we find strength in that? Where do we find strength in times of chaos? Do we exert political power uh, to bring about order? Uh, do we exert military power and strength to bring about order? Uh, economic, or even to like think, speaking of the science thing, again, just the strength of knowledge, like, is this just, we're just not educated people and we're just going a little bit off of our nuts here? Like what's happening? And so we wrestle with that. Where do we find strength? Where do we find peace in the middle of all this chaos? Where do we find an ability to change it, an ability to make a difference? And where do we find an ability to see it happening around us and to sort of slip into a place of calm and a place of trust? 
And that's, I think, a question for a lot of us in these, in these moments. And at times like these, you just kind of want to hear the voice of somebody who's in charge, who's sort of looking over the whole thing and saying, hey, there's a plan. It's going to kind of work out here. So you can sort of trust me. There have been times in history when the world has been in chaos like this before. And every now and then, even a human voice will sort of break through the the chatter and the struggle and bring something clear. Winston Churchill is just a, a great example of that, a voice that spoke into a chaotic situation. If you look at the old history, uh, World War II, Neville Chamberlain, lots of uh, confusion in the house and this crazy guy, Winston Churchill, gets uh, made prime minister and he begins to say these incredibly hopeful things uh, in the midst of chaos. He says, if you're going through hell, keep going. (laughs) Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Again, a clear voice speaking into chaos. You must put your head into the lion's mouth if the performance is to be a success. So he's calling a military commander in that specific instance to make a sacrifice that was going to save a whole pile of different troops at Dunkirk. Um, but just speaking and leading clearly, we're, we're longing for that, aren't we? We're longing for some kind of clear leadership in the world. And obviously we're longing for that leadership from the Lord. Winston Churchill said this, we shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. Neither the sudden shock of battle nor the long drawn trials of vigilance and exertion will wear us down. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. And we sort of long for that, don't we? We long for that sort of hopeful sense of direction for the church, hopeful sense of direction for Christians around the world to be able to hear God calling us to something, to making a difference, to executing his goodness in the world. And so over all the chaos of the powers, and we're longing for the voice of the Lord to to speak, he gives us his voice. And Psalm 29 talks about that. It's talking about the voice of the Lord uh, speaking into uh, the craziness uh, of the world. And uh, the word that's there for voice in the text that we're going to look at, we read it earlier in the responsive reading, is a Hebrew word, kol, which means not just necessarily a personal voice, it just means a really big sound. And in the case of this, it's compared to thunder. Uh, It can be like the tree falling in the forest. It is something that is just dramatically going to get your attention. But in the case of this text, it's like this is not just any voice that's getting your attention. It's not a tree falling in the forest. It's not someone lighting off a firecracker. It's the voice that's coming from God that gets the attention of the world and calls it uh, towards him. And Psalm 29 starts with this phrase, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And and it's just interesting, like most of the Psalms are talking to us, but this uh, sort of aims a little bit higher, doesn't it? It says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. So the psalmist is sort of saying, hey, you powers and authorities and spiritual forces in the world, you need to ascribe to the Lord strength. Uh, You gods that people worship that are idols, you gods that people worship that people think are in control of the crops and floods and all of this stuff, you uh, spiritual forces in the world ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So calls ultimately uh, all powers and all authorities in the world to account. And so we just derive great hope from that. Uh, In the middle of this chaos, the voice of the Lord is ultimately in charge. And the rest of the psalm goes on to describe uh, the voice of the Lord sort of coming like a storm. And we can sort of imagine, this is something that Tim Mackey points out from the Bible Project, uh, imagine sort of uh, David sitting up on top of Mount Carmel, maybe where Elijah had uh, his... 
uh, battle with the um, with the priests or sitting up on um, uh, Mount on Jerusalem on on Mount Zion, and just sort of saying, "Hey." Um, there's a storm that's coming across the ocean, across the Mediterranean, and it's going to cover over this whole area. The psalm takes us north to Mount Hermon and south to the to white wastelands, to the deserts of Kadesh. And, and it's just imagining this overwhelming force of the storm of the Lord, the voice of the Lord coming over and across a whole nation and setting things right. And that's sort of the image that the psalmist is pointing us towards. Uh, so we want to look just at verse 3 and just notice some things about what the voice of the Lord is doing here. It says this, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. Uh, that, that points us really clearly to the creation story, doesn't it? Um, the voice of the Spirit. And we remember uh, Genesis 1-2. The earth was uh, without form and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So his voice is over creation. Listen, his voice is over COVID-19. His voice is over earthquakes. His voice is over floods. His voice is over fires. His voice is over locust swarms in Africa. His voice is ultimately over all of that. Now, we don't understand why these bad things happen. And if his voice is over them, it, it wrestles, causes us to wrestle with the question of why are those things happening? Why doesn't he just stop it? But what we know for certain is that he has purpose. He has planned that he is ultimately responsible and he is ultimately directing and doing things that he wants to do in the world, or at the very least, allowing things to happen uh, in ways that he is ultimately going to turn into good and to glory and, and to goodness for the people that love him and that he loves. So mystery there around suffering and why it happens. But at the same time, we just have to surrender when we read these texts and say, ultimately, this is somehow in the Lord's hands. COVID is in the Lord's hands. And so our hands don't need to be on it. We take comfort. We take peace from trusting in the sovereignty of God. It goes on and says, the voice of the Lord is powerful and the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Listen, the voice of the Lord that said, let there be light. And there was light. Uh, his voice is the voice over all the beautiful things in creation. So his voice is over the chaos in creation. His voice is over the beauty in creation. Uh, we looked at this amazing rocket being launched for the first time from U.S. soil with passengers on it yesterday and some of the incredible footage looking out at this incredibly beautiful planet that we live on and looking into the stars, into the heavens, this incredible space that we're able to be in by having a space station. And and just recognizing that as great as human achievement is, as beautiful as our planet is, the Lord is over that. He is over beauty. He is over chaos. He is over beauty. Whether creation seems chaotic or beautiful, his voice is over it. He is sovereign. We're just proclaiming the sovereignty of the Lord and drawing comfort from it. Uh, the next verse says this, The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Having cedar uh, paneling your home or decoratively uh, carved in your house or in the temple, it was used in the temple of God, was a sign of wealth, was a sign of prestige. We want to say that uh, the voice of the Lord is over gods of money and wealth. He's over all of that. Uh, we look in First Kings 10.27, And the king made silver as common as Jerusalem, uh, in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as sycamore. Um, so he's, he's saying, like, 
we are wealthy. We have so much, but God is over all of that. The voice of the Lord can smash the cedars. The Lord can break the cedars of Lebanon. He is above it. No matter how wealthy we are, no matter how much money drives things in our society and drives forces uh, and, and is, you know, all of our conspiracy theories involve like this elite, powerful, rich, who knows what's true, who knows what's not, but they are ultimately, whatever power and wealth there is, is ultimately underneath the voice of the Lord. Whatever power and wealth you have is ultimately beneath the voice of the Lord. He speaks over it all. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a, lo- a young wild ox. Syrian is actually uh, another word uh, in that language, uh, just describing Mount Hermon, the tallest mountain in that region. One of the only places in, uh, in Jerusalem that would have snow at Christmas. Um, and it's an unassailable military boundary to the north. And it speaks to the nation of Lebanon, which is kind of this hidden in the hills, sort of almost unconquerable kind of place. And so we want to say uh, from this text that the voice of the Lord is over every nation, national powers, powers of the U.S., the powers of England, the power of China, these nations that are moving forces and creating chaos in the world, in some cases order, the Lord's voice is over them. No matter how strong the nation God's voice is over it. It says, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. That flames of fire reference is actually a reference to angels. Uh, that's what it says in uh, the Masoretic, in the, er, in the earlier text. Uh, how now about angels, he says, and this is in Hebrews 1.7 and in Psalm 104.4. Now about the angels, he says, he makes his winds messengers. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire, his servants. Uh, the voice is capable of communicating whatever it needs to communicate to any authority. So we put the voice of the Lord over every voice of authority. And we think, well, the church is like nothing to the government. Like, how do we say anything to them? Uh, we, how do we make a difference? How do we have a voice? How do we change things in the world? Well, the Lord's voice is ultimately capable of communicating what he wants to communicate to any authority in the world. His, he is the Lord. No matter how high the authority, his voice can speak to it. His voice can shake it. Uh, verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. That's actually a reference to the place where the law was given. Uh, Mount Sinai is in the middle of the wilderness of the Kadesh. Of Kadesh. It says, the Lord will take delight in prospering you when you obey the voice of the Lord. Um, keeping his commandments and his statutes that are written in the book of the law. Listen, this is just a side note for us almost, but we need to recognize when we look at the law, when we look at these ancient texts, the Old Testament, they were spoken by the voice of the Spirit. So we look towards what Jesus said, and he said, we don't want to just abandon the law. Jesus has come to fulfill the law. Uh, The scriptures are so important to us, and we don't find salvation in the law. But it's how we know the nature of the voice of God. It's how we know what he's like uh, through what his dislikes are and what his likes are, what his commands are. We learn about him that way. And so we know how to approach him. We know how to live in ways that love him. Uh, We aren't under the law. It's not what saves us. We're saved uh, through faith in Christ. But if we want to know him, we have to know the law too. We have to know the scriptures and dig into them. There's huge value there. So the voice of the Lord shakes 
all of that. It shakes religion, doesn't it? It shakes every religion. The voice of the Lord, uh, the source of the law, is over and above every other thing, every other voice. No matter uh, what law, no matter what worldview, no matter what religious system, the voice of God is over it. It says this, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. Like, what the heck is that talking about? But when you look at those images of deer in the scripture, uh, deer are free, aren't they? They are sort of untamable. They are out there. And what he's saying there is that uh, when the thunder comes, it sometimes would cause deer. It happens with sheep and other animals, as described shepherds in the Old Testament would actually gather sheep together and put them close because they would worry that when a storm rolled over, it would cause sheep to calve too early. So uh, what they're saying there, and this is David speaking as a shepherd, the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. The voice uh, is over those who actually think they're free. Those who think that they're unaffected by everything around them. Those who think that they can't be touched. Uh, those who think that they're free agents in the world. The voice of the Lord is over those. And the voice is over all of the hiding places in the forest. He strips the forest bare. He is sovereign. Like this is just proclamation after proclamation after proclamation of the sovereignty of God. It's no matter how free you are or how hidden you think you are, uh, the voice of the Lord can find you and strip your secrets bare. He sees, he knows, he is holy, amazing God. And it ends with this, this whole bit about the storm. And in his temple, all cry glory. Listen, his voice demands a response from worshipers, from those of us who are gathered, from those of us who think that they have it all together, uh, from our, the Christian church. We can't live thinking, hey, we've got this thing figured out. The voice of the Lord demands our attention. We may think we're in the temple doing all of the right stuff. You may think that you are mature in your faith and you're doing all of the right stuff that God wants you to do, but know that his voice can command you at any time. No matter how righteous or mature the voice demands, you cry, glory, glory, glory to the Lord. So everything that we think is in control of this chaotic, crazy world is subject to the voice of God. Nature, finance, nations, authorities, religion, people, and ourselves are all under the voice of the Lord. All creation must respond to the thunder of his voice. He's a sovereign and powerful God, and we glorify him as such. Like, and that's how we respond. Like, how do we respond to this incredibly powerful voice of God that's thundering over uh, the land? It says this, getting back to the first verse, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord, the glory due his name. Ascribe is just to give, to take it. If you have it, if you have any glory, if you have any reputation, if you have any elevation, if you have anything to be proud of, you ascribe that to the Lord. You write it down on his ledger and you take it off of your ledger. So we give whatever glory we have to him. And so it's ascribe, 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 and then it's worship. So with whatever we haven't ascribed to him, whatever we have left of ourselves that is really and truly us, we bow. We bow self. We bow ourselves before him. 
that word worship in the Hebrew is just to get on your face. So we, it's not, so there's words in the Hebrew that are worship, like shout it out, raise your hands, aim at the heavens. But this word for worship is get on your face. So we give all glory to him. We get on our faces. And it says this in the splendor of holiness, in the splendor of holiness, that word splendor is like the, the attire, the array, the cloak, the clothing of holiness. So we give whatever glory we have to him. We get on our faces and we orient ourselves away from idols. We wear the splendor of separateness to the Lord. What makes us beautiful to him is when we are washed clean by his blood. When our garments are clean, when our garments aren't stained by sin. And only Jesus can cleanse us in that way. So we give him everything. That's our response to the thundering voice of God across the waters. We get on our faces. And then he responds to all of that. He responds to his own voice. He responds to our humbling of ourselves and to our worship. It says this, it says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. When that flood is just, a, again, a reference uh, to the story of Moses, isn't it? Like, he did that. And, and it's almost like a little, hey, David saying, hey, a reminder. He promised not to destroy us with water, but he could smoke us anytime he wants, any way he wants. The Lord sits enthroned over the chaos. He loves us. He loves us, but just a reminder of who he is and what he can do. We talked about that last week, having a healthy fear of God, but he's perfectly secure and comfortable and at rest in his kingship. That word sit is to repose, to be at rest. He is comfortable being God. He is comfortable being who he is. It is who he is. He is a holy and mighty God. He is comfortable with the sound of his voice. And even if we're not, and the book ends of this psalm describe uh, the exchange that happens here. In verse 1, it says this, that we ascribe to the Lord and heavenly beings ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And then verse 11, it says, may the Lord give strength to his people and may the Lord bless his people with peace. And so it's really interesting, right? We ascribe to the Lord glory we ascribe to the Lord strength. But it's not what we're asking for in return. He gives strength to his people, but his glory he keeps for himself. And we get peace. And that is a really, really good exchange for us. Uh, glory for peace is a good, good trade. As humans, and this is what we're seeing all around the world, is we just destroy ourselves every time we have strength and glory together. When we're elevated and in a position of authority and we have fame and we have power together, we destroy ourselves every time. And we're seeing that all over the world. We see it in North Korea. We see it everywhere. We simply can't be trusted 
with the combination of having glory and strength. And so we're called to continually humble ourselves, to find that place where we've given glory to him. We've put our face on the floor and we've oriented ourselves towards him in holiness. And in that space on the floor where we give the strength and glory to him, he gives peace and he gives us strength to endure. So how does that work is the question. This is all pretty highfalutin esoteric thought. How does it work? How does the Lord give strength to his people? And how does that voice really change the world? I'm going to go back just quickly to verse seven and remind us that this is a pointing towards Pentecost, that this liturgy is picked up as speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, in Acts 2. It's a prophecy of what's coming in Acts 2 and a connection, of course, with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. It's tying these things together. It says, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And again, this early Christian liturgy is reading Psalm 29 on the day of Pentecost reading on in Acts 2, 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost came, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and shook the whole house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues and spilled out into the streets. Listen, this is how the voice of the Lord is meant to speak through us, uh, through the church. He gives strength by filling us with his spirit and then humbly on our faces, bowed before him and in holiness, we go to the streets and we echo the voice of the Lord that we hear thundering over nations. And that's how change happens from his declaration of power overall and from the voice of the Lord speaking uh, from the grassroots from his church making a difference in the world living in holiness caring for our friends uh, loving them and proclaiming the gospel and living out the holiness that has been given to us through what Christ has done for us on the cross living in the peace that comes with all of that in part, the voice of the Spirit is meant to thunder over the waters. Like we hear the voice of God speaking. He is in control. And it's also speaking through an empowered, peaceful, humbled, submitted, glory-giving, and holy church. That's who we're supposed to be. And that's what changes the world. And that's what's changed the world for 2,000 years. The church, like leaven in dough, working in culture, in quiet, invisible almost ways, living out the voice of the Lord uh, that's also thundering over all creation and ultimately bringing all creation under submission to him. Ultimately uh, arriving at a time when the sovereign Lord is enthroned over all the earth. And we don't just wish to see his glory, but we see his glory when he comes again and judges and, and, and brings about the resurrection and brings about the new Jerusalem and brings about the new earth. But in the meantime, we participate in that through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. 
And so the question is really for us, will we let the spirit fill us again? Will we remember our mission? Will we remember that the voice of the Lord is meant to speak through us, through the way we live our lives, through the way we tell his story? Will we be filled again uh, by the Holy Spirit? Will we let him speak through us again? Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.